G'day, Troy Dane from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 27 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Jessica Barnard from thepixelista.com. There's some great moments in this interview where Jessica talks about how to carve out your niche, how to get rid of the fear of missing out, and get really specific about who it is you want as, uh, as customers. And there's also this great moment where she talks about developing customer profiles for premium themes that she designs. So Jessica designs Genesis child themes and sells them as a premium theme, but she builds customer profiles before she actually designs the theme. There's lots of goodness to learn, uh, lots of great stuff in this interview, and Jessica's giving away a copy of the Genesis theme framework valued at $59, and one of her Genesis premium themes valued at $45. So watch the interview for details on how to enter that. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by WP Elevation, the world's first business accelerator program to help WordPress consultants get better clients, work on better projects, and of course, get paid better fees. Uh, As I mentioned, today's uh, feature guest is Jessica Barnard from The Pixelista. But before we get into that, the elevation tip of the week is customer profiling. If you don't know who your perfect customer is, and you don't know the niche that you serve the best or the the um, the group of people that you are that you add the most value to, then just try this very very simple tip. It's very old school. Grab a pen and a piece of paper and ask yourself this question: If you if if you could get ten new clients right now, but they all had to be clones of one of your existing clients, who would that existing client be? And just write down a paragraph about that client. Where did they come from? What problems were they trying to solve when you started working with them? And where are they? Where do they hang out? What business are they in? What do they do on the weekends? What does their life look like? And how can you go about attracting more of them? Jessica talks a lot in this interview about customer profiling. She actually builds customer profiles for her premium themes, which I've never heard anyone do before. It's a uh, it's a really inspirational uh, interview. You can check out her themes at thepixelista.com. And as I mentioned, she's giving away the Genesis framework and one of her themes. So stick around for that. Without further ado, let's meet Jessica Barnard. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation. And I'm very excited to have with me all the way from the US of A, Jessica Barnard from the Pixelista. Hey, Jess, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you're in Las Vegas, is that right? Yeah, I'm in the rural Las Vegas area. Wow, cool. So that's like, so I've never been to Las Vegas. I've been to Arizona, but Las Vegas in my mind is just like this, Nevada is like this big desert with this crazy town in the middle where everyone goes and plays the pokies. And is that kind of what it's like? Yeah, that's basically it. There's just empty desert um, in in most of the Western United States. And I kind of live smack dab in the middle of that. Wow. And so do you spend much time actually in Vegas itself? No, I actually, I am not a big fan of the Vegas scene, but uh, I really do enjoy living in the desert. So I'm not a big snow person. Cool. We're going to talk about one of your, one of your hobbies uh, a little bit later on, which I think will take some people by surprise. But, But listen, before we get into this, let's just announce our competition for the week. You have very kindly offered to sponsor a... A copy of the Genesis theme framework and one of your 
uh, child themes that you can find on thepixelista.com, which are beautiful themes, by the way. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition and uh, for your chance to win those prizes a little bit later on. So before we start talking about all things WordPress-ish, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I pretty much always knew I wanted to be an artist of some sort. Ah, so like a, like a visual artist or just like a painter or a sculptor or did you have any kind of particular art in mind? Well, when I was really young, I just like, I like drew with my crayons or, or painted or whatever. And the, I, I don't know if I really had a good concept of what an artist did, especially professionally, but I just knew that I wanted to do something creatively focused and, and visually focused as well. And, uh, and so you kind of are, right? I mean, you're, you're a WordPress web designer, yeah? That's right. I do think there is a distinction between art and design. Um, I think art is more left open for interpretation, where um, design has a specific call to action, and you want everyone who sees it to take the same call to action. Hmm. Nice. Interesting. Um, I, someone, I heard someone say recently design is, um, design is, is essentially problem solving. That's exactly it, I think. Yeah. Nice. Um, so what kind, of, what kind of work were you doing before web design? Like what kind of visual art stuff were you doing before you got into the web? When I very first started designing, um, I actually worked in the graphics department of a magazine. Uh, so I designed a lot of business ads and did page layouts and things like that. That's right. I remember um, uh, we sat next to each other on the bus at Pressnomics last year. On, on the social day, we went out to uh, crazy wild West Town and, and had lunch. And you were telling me that you were, you were kind of there doing page layouts and, and then they kind of needed some stuff, some work done on the web and you kind of inherited that role. Have I got that right? Uh, kind of. We had a website, so a lot of times I'd be designing banner ads for our website. Um, but it, it was sort of unrelated. I just felt like I could see that our society is is making a shift to digital media. And I just thought that, you know, if I wanted a career that was still going to be around in 20 years, that I needed to go digital. And uh, designing websites seemed like something that would still be around. Mm. Um, nice, nice foresight. Um, on, on your website, on your about page, you say that uh, one day combining your love of design and technology just clicked. So when, when did you realize that you could, you could still fulfill your passion for design and visual art and also kind of get your geek on in terms of the web? Uh, well, I was always a, a big fan of technology, even from a young age. I always had to have a, an iPod or a smartphone or, well, as soon as I could, you know. And um, I, for me, I, it just made a lot of sense. I, I dabbled in computer programming at one point, and that was just a little too technical for me. But <laughs> web design seemed to strike a nice balance between dealing with technology and, and dealing with design. So do you, do you think of yourself as a web designer or a web developer? I would say I am primarily a web designer, but I actually had this conversation with Brian Gardner at uh, South by Southwest last year. And um, 
he was saying you really need to start introducing yourself as a web developer. Uh, a lot of times, especially women, will underplay themselves as developers. Mm. But if you know any kind of code, then I, I would say that you are a developer. Mm. And it's funny because I have this conversation with I have this conversation with graphic designers a lot who are designing websites who um, who are now kind of teaching themselves CSS because they need to know what's possible and they need to know what can be achieved. Do you think it's important that designers have some kind of understanding of code? I think it helps a lot. Uh, I think it really increases your value as an entrepreneur when you know both. Um, for me, I, I code my own designs. But even if you're not doing your own coding, I think it's important that you at least have an understanding of how development works so that when you're working with your developer, you're not doing something crazy that's going to be impossible for them to code or, or something that wouldn't be best practice. Mm. And do you, I'm interested in, in the workflow from, of taking a design to a theme. Do you design in Photoshop and then slice them into HTML, CSS? Is that your workflow at the moment? Yeah, I do prefer to design in Photoshop. Usually what I do is um, just mock up the graphics, like the, usually the header area, and then just leave the content area open. And I, I let my clients know, okay, this is, gives you a basic idea of what the website will look like. Then I'll mock it up on a live test website for you so you can see how the content looks. Because a lot of times fonts don't render the same between Photoshop and, and the web. I, I try to avoid <laughs> using the the text tool in Photoshop when all possible. Um, but I'm gradually trying to shift to an agile design process. Uh, you can use tools like webflow.com that um, lets you create your different header tags and um, paragraph text, buttons, things of that nature. So you have your main, um, your content items laid out and you can send that to your developer and then they in turn can just take it spits out code and usually it's pretty clean code or you can send it to your clients so they get an idea of exactly what happens when you hover over a button or you highlight text a lot of things that you can't show in a photoshop mock-up so does this uh, i'm fascinated by this and i know it's completely not in our script at all but i really want to explore this if that's okay with you so sure. does this allow you to start designing in the browser? It does. Uh, for me, I, I don't do any kind of layout structuring, but um, I do like to pick my fonts um, pick, and again, like design my buttons, things like that. So I have code to grab when I am actually coding my theme. Interesting. I've been banging on about a product recently called easel.io, which... Mm -hmm. um, allows you to, and I'm, I'm not a designer at all. I mean, I, you know, no one would ever want to use anything that I design. Um, but what I like about easel.io is similar, similarly, I think, to Webflow is it allows you to mock up what the design will look like in the browser. It scales it to responsive, you know, for different size devices. And, yeah, your client can actually see how it's going to look in the browser rather than see what it looks like as a JPEG. Yeah, I do think that... Um as we as technology progresses, we will see more agile design process like processes like that. Because um, right now we're kind of doing it twice. We're doing all the work of creating it in Photoshop, and then yeah. we're doing all the work of coding it. When if you just designed it in browser, it would 
save a lot of steps. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I heard someone say a couple of years ago that a Photoshop file is a drawing of a website. It <laughs> and, kind of basically yeah. is, yeah. And as soon as I heard that, I haven't been able to let that go now. So we still, we still, you know, cut up Photoshop files. But every time I get a Photoshop file, I'm like, oh, when is this going to stop, man? Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to uh, exploring these more agile processes moving forward. So when did you discover WordPress? Do you remember what the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? I think it was around 2008 when I originally started freelancing and doing websites. I actually designed for Blogger, um, but it very quickly I could tell that it didn't have the functionality that my clients were looking for. They were requesting a lot of complicated features that normally you can only integrate into WordPress. And I was having to do a lot of hacking. Um, so I kind of liken it to um, a tricycle and a 10-speed bicycle. I was kind of having to pimp out these tricycles to get them to do what I needed. And that's when I decided I really should venture out and look and delve more into WordPress. That's great. I love the analogy. I'm Sure, Matt Mullenweg would be uh, pleased to hear that WordPress is a pimped out version of Blogger. I know that's not what you meant. That's a great analogy though. <laughs> and did you feel like, like when you first started using WordPress, did you, like why did you keep, why did you not, you know, pursue Joomla or Drupal or Magento or one of the other CMSs? Why did you stay with WordPress? Uh, for me, I think when I find a tool that meets my needs. I, I'm not really inclined to venture out too much. Um, so WordPress just was really intuitive for me. It, it made sense and it also had a really great support mm. system behind it. A great community and lots of documentation. And I, I think when you use popular tools, it's helpful because um, there is that documentation where if you use something that a very small majority of people are using, um, you're not going to get the, the help you need when yeah. you need it. Yeah. I think you hit the nail, nail on the head there. Um, I remember the first few times I installed some plugins and started reading the support forums on wordpress.org for that particular plugin. I was like, this is amazing. It's like I've got, you know, 10,000 web developers at my disposal to help me pull this stuff together. And I, I think that's really what has helped WordPress get so much traction is the plug-in architecture and the community of developers that are uh, around it all helping each other. Totally. Mm. All right, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, what you're doing today at the Pixelista. Uh, on, at the Pixelista, I, I remember reading recently, you said that you help women create beautiful and attractive websites. So why did you choose to work with women? Why did you choose to target working with women? Uh, there's a saying that's something like, when your target market is everyone, you're marketing to no one. So for me, it was just a niche that made sense. Uh, I really like designing in a feminine style, and it's something that I'm good at. And I also relate well to women. So for me, it was just something that kind of made sense. Mm. I do work with male clients. They contact me sometimes, and they're like, Oh, your website says you only work with women, but will you still work with me? And I'm like, yeah, of course, but you know, you're not my target market. What What interests me about this is very few, uh, very few entrepreneurs I come across are actually willing to state who their target market is or who their preferred client is because they have an inherent fear. You know, it's it's FOMO. It's fear of missing out on everyone else. So you've effectively just 
you know, like, was there a moment in your mind where you said, hmm, I'm going to essentially isolate, you know, 50% of the world's population here and tell them I don't want to work with them? Did that, were you kind of scared about putting that message out? I really wasn't at all. Because, um, again, if you're trying to be too general, you're not going to relate to anyone. Hmm. So I think it's way more important to target to a, a niche so that when they're reading your website, they're like, that's me. You're describing me. You totally get me and I want to work with you. That is great advice. That is worth the price of admission alone, ladies and gentlemen. And for a free podcast, that's not too bad. Um, all right. Uh, so, so when you meet someone for the first time today, how do you describe what it is you do in one sentence? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Uh, well, again, the tagline on my website is, I help women create beautiful and effective websites. So um, the keyword beautiful there is that when you invest in professional branding and web design, it sets you apart as a professional. People see your website and they take you seriously. Whereas if you're using the WordPress default theme that they see all the time that anyone can have and use, it doesn't set you apart as a professional in people's minds. And the second keyword, effective, is that I feel like your website should be your best employee. It, ta- it covers a lot of the groundwork for you that you don't want to waste your hours on. It gives people an overview of your products or services, a history of your company, um, addresses a lot of frequently asked questions, and, and things of that nature. So that's, I guess that wasn't one sentence, but that's my elevator pitch. Yeah, but no, so, so, but your elevator pitch is I help women create beautiful and effective websites. That's a great elevator pitch. It's really specific. It, you, you know exactly who it is you're talking to. And if someone is not interested in having a beautiful and effective website, then they're probably not the right client for you. Exactly. Yeah, nice one. And how, did it take you long to come up with that, that, you know, again, like, did you have, different iterations of that elevator pitch and was there a little voice in your head that said oh if I get this wrong it's going to hurt my business or did you just put it out there and see what happened Uh, I think it was Einstein who said that if you can't explain something simply you don't understand it well enough (laughs) and that was kind of my inspiration to really defining my elevator pitch and summing up what I do in just a few words Um, so when you when you tell somebody that they know exactly what you do and why do you do you read a lot? Do you? It, it sounds like you're always kind of soaking up inspiration and information from other sources. Is that a conscious thing that you do? Do you like set aside time to actually go and read and get inspired and learn? Uh, it's not something that I set time aside to do. If you want to talk about being an efficient per- worker, then I'm not the person to talk about because <laughs> I am very like I I jump from thing to thing. I like being able to um, be designing and then jump over to Twitter, and I um, my my Twitter stream is very targeted. Uh, these days, I mostly follow only WordPress specific individuals, mm-hmm. so that's where I, I find a lot of these articles. Um, and I just I like to take mental breaks during the day and go off and read something and learn something new. Um, so I think it's just. Um, and ingrained curiosity, not something that I have to set time mm. aside for because it's something I enjoy doing. Mm. Nice. Um, what, what do you, so you, you touched on then flicking between uh, designing and Twitter. What, what do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day? 
Um, I would say I really underestimate how much time I spend on emails. Um, that takes up a, a good chunk of my time, but I try to use um, like boilerplate templates Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, to help speed up that process. And then I, I would say probably 30% of my time is design, 30% development, and the rest of that is client communications and just research and, and networking. Sure. And so you've got, um, you've got uh, client services and you've got themes. So what percentage of the time are you designing client sites and what percentage are you designing new themes? I would like to spend more time designing themes, uh, commercial themes. That has served me really well. It's a relatively new market for me. Um, and, and I was really scared. I didn't know if I'd be successful, but I, I have created this passive revenue for myself. So I, when I was I actually was paying my taxes yesterday and I was crunching numbers and I was like, Hey, look at all this money I'm making by not having to do so much. You know, it was like an initial investment of time that just, creates an infinite amount of revenue for me. So Nice. uh, client work is my passion and I think I will continue to make that the majority of my time, but I really will try to prioritize uh, creating themes and carving out time to, to work on new themes. Are you concerned about, uh, I know I talked to a lot of people about, you know, who want to get into the commercial theme space and we've thought about it a lot as well here and, and decided at the moment that it's not our core business, but are you concerned about getting swamped with support? For me, it hasn't been a big concern. I think if you create really good documentation, um, then it makes answering support tickets really easy. You just say, hey, look at this section of the, of the setup documents. This addresses your question. And if you get a lot of questions frequent, if you get the same question frequently, then add it to your documentation or write up a tutorial. And so most of the time, This, the requests I get that aren't covered by the documentation or customization requests. And then I say, well, you should really go hire a web developer. That's outside the scope of support. <laughs> Excellent. Do you do you pick up much work from people that have bought your themes and then come to you for customization work? Yeah, a fair amount, actually. I think the majority of people, they come to my website and they see a theme And um, it gives them a good visual image to start from a, of what they want. Because a lot of people just can't visualize what they want. Um, so to answer your question, I think that the people who have me customize themes were looking for a custom website to begin with and then decided that a customized theme would be a good fit for them. But as far as people who buy my themes and then want to pay to have it customized, a lot of times people aren't willing to pay more than the initial price of the theme. to have it customized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, one of the things I like about making product is I think it's a great positioning exercise. And I think when you're dealing with clients, if they know that you're making product that lots of other web designers and web developers are using on their client projects, then it kind of elevates you as, as someone who's a little bit above the pack because you're contributing and you're putting out product that lots of other people are using. So uh, good on you for, for doing the premium theme thing because it is a fair bit of work and it's a, it's a pretty scary um, pool to start dipping your feet in. So uh, well, well, done for, uh, well done for jumping in. Um, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night? I am honestly very lucky to be in a career that I love. I, I wake up every morning and I'm just so glad to 
be doing what I'm doing and excited to get started. So um, if there's anything that keeps me up at night, it's it's mostly just new ideas. Um, <laughs> I'm constantly thinking of, of things I could be doing better or differently. Um, but that's basically it. Not a lot of fears business-wise. Cool. Nice. Um, I, I also read that you like to ride ATVs, right? For those that don't know, an ATV is an all-terrain vehicle. Is that right? That's right. So they're like four-wheeler things that you sit on. Have I got that right in my head? Like a four-wheeler bike that you sit on. Where, where do you ride them? Uh, like I said, I live out in, in pretty open desert, so I can go in any direction and there's good places to ride. That's something I grew up doing. I grew up in a relatively small town where there wasn't a lot else to do uh, aside from like outdoor activities. Um, so yeah, that's something I, I continue enjoy. Wow. It's a great way to, uh, to a great way to let off steam. Yeah. Any, uh... I don't think too crazy. I'm all about <laughs> safety. I wear my helmet and, uh, my protective gear, and I don't do any crazy jumps. Right. So no crazy jackass stunts or anything? No, nothing like that. So you haven't had any major injuries from, from riding ATVs? No. Fun fact, I've actually never broken a bone, so... Oh, nice. <laughs> you how careful I am. Nice. Uh, what else do you do when you're not working? How do you get your mind out of, you know, how do you get your mind out of trying to solve that problem on that client side or write that one last function that's going to get the website finished. How do you switch off and get your mind out of that and have some kind of balance? For me, I really think it's important to unplug. I, I just try to step away from my computer and my smartphone um, and do something totally not technology related. Mm. I really enjoy cooking and, and baking. Mm. Uh, they're good creative outlets that, again, don't have anything to do with the computer and uh, Especially on the weekends, that's something I, I try to do. Awesome. So I find, I, I like cooking too. I don't do it as much as I used to, but uh, I find that when I cook, the problem is I use the iPad to search for recipes and then I'm using yeah. the iPad and I still, and I note, I just note, I'm still connected here. I'm still on the web and I'm still using a device. I'm so stubborn about it that I actually print out my recipes. <laughs> I won't take my phone into the kitchen or, or whatever nice. the... Nice. That's good discipline. I like it. All right. So this is a slightly ver this is a slight variation on the what keeps you up at night question. Maybe um, maybe maybe you don't want to fix anything in your business. But if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in your business right now, what would it be? I wish there was an easier way to um, sort emails that come through from my website. Um, because it doesn't matter what kind of notice I post above my forms. Like you can't submit a a support ticket through my contact form. You have to submit, you know, a ticket in this area, and people just don't care. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I guess if there's if I could wave a magic wand, it would be that people read the instructions on my forms and follow them. Excellent. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the Pixelista. When you, when you first, it's quite a distinct brand. You've got this cute little caricature of yourself. The name is kind of in this handwriting. It's, uh, you know, it's a really strong, it doesn't look like a WordPress theme. It looks like a really strong brand. Was that a, how, like, obviously it was a conscious decision, but how much thought and effort went into designing that brand? And was it a deliberate way of trying to stand out from the crowd? 
again, I started my, my business around 2008 and I got my start in customizing mommy blogs. And in 2008, thereabouts, uh, the characters were the big thing. Every mom blogger wanted some sort of illustration. And so for me, it was something just to show that my target clients that I can do what they were looking for. Um, so down the road, people ask me, you know, like, that's kind of out of vogue. Why, are you, why do you still have a character of yourself? And I'm like, well, I have a really established brand. People recognize it. And um, I don't think that you should change your branding willy-nilly. And um, did you, how many iterations did you go through before you were happy with the character? I actually hired an illustrator to do that one for me, even though I can do illustrations myself. Um, I just think trying to design for yourself is kind of like trying to tickle yourself. It can be <laughs> can be difficult, and sometimes it's better just to like get input from somebody else. I did I, I did design my website, but the illustrations specifically, um, I hired out, and we didn't have to go through many iterations. She just kind of was what she was from the get go. Awesome. I've never tried to tickle myself, but that's something I'm going to try a little bit later on for those that are interested. Give it a shot. Um, email me and tell me if it works. <laughs> um, so one of the other things that I like about your site is that you publish your pricing on your website. Is that Were you nervous about doing that? I wasn't nervous. I know that when I go to a website looking for services, it drives me crazy when there isn't some sort of price point listed at least starting prices or, or ballpark, ballpark prices. And um, I've tried it both ways. I did go through a phase, I kind of did some A-B testing where I didn't have prices listed. And I got a lot of inquiries of people who weren't a good fit for me. So I chose to publish my prices on my website so people know from, from the get-go without having to contact me if they think that I would be a good fit for them. You know, my work is done here. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly that's, and this wasn't scripted, by the way. I didn't feed you that answer, did I? No. <laughs> um, I have this conversation all the time with WordPress developers who are too scared to put pricing up on their website because they think they're going to miss out on incoming inquiries. But the reality is, those inquiries that you miss out on are not quality inquiries anyway. So why do you want to waste your time writing proposals for them when they don't have the budget that you need to get the job done? Exactly. How did you know? How did you know how to price yourself? Like, how did you know, you know, like what kind of area and what kind of ballpark you wanted to put yourself? I think I kind of worked my way up the the ladder. Um, I started out really cheap. I um, I started when I was about seventeen, and at that point, I was like excited to make ten dollars an hour. You know, so I did. I worked really cheap at first, and then. Um, over the years, I, I gradually increased my price points. You know, when I had to start, um, as you get older, your, your cost of living just increases. And um, a lot of it came from just reading articles about entrepreneurship. And one specifically challenged people to double their prices that day. And, and people were like, what? That's crazy. I'll lose all my customers. But just as an experiment. Try doubling your prices. Uh, for me, I found that I got the same amount of inquiries, the same amount of bookings, but I had to take on—I only had to take on half the projects to make the same amount of money. 
So it's just really a matter of knowing what your services are worth and um, knowing that you're worth the, the prices you want to charge. Mm. How did you, how did, this is, again, this is not in the script at all, but uh, because this is a conversation I have a lot at WordCamps and at meetups is, how do you, how did you arrive at that point where you said, okay, I am worth this? Because I see WordPress consultants struggling with this all the time, like this internal battle of saying, oh my God, I can't charge that much for a WordPress website because, you know, because they have this kind of self-doubt that they're not worth it. How did you actually arrive at that point where you said, I am worth these prices? I think the bottom line is you have to decide what your time is worth. For me, I could I could spend my time doing other things, and um, it's something that I love to do, but I do have to make X amount of money per hour to make it worth my time. Um, and I've never gotten to the point where I was charging so much that I didn't have clients. There's pretty much always a client base for the prices you want to charge, whether it's for a $500 website or $500,000 website. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a matter of finding your your target clients and, and being able to market to them effectively. Mm. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head there because there are other things that you could be doing with your time, like riding ATVs around the desert, right? Right. <laughs> or making commercial themes, right? Mm -hmm. um, awesome. So uh, your themes, the other thing I've noticed about your themes is that they're really elegant and really beautiful. And you did say that you like designing in kind of a feminine uh, a way, how, how, do you, how do you find inspiration to, like, how do you start designing a theme or designing something for a client? You look in a blank canvas, because none of your, like, all your themes are so different. They're not variations. You know, you see a lot of theme shops, and it's like, well, you know, here's our kind of our signature theme, and then everything else is kind of a variation on that. Your themes are really quite unique and distinct. How do you get inspired to keep creating these designs? For me, my inspiration really comes from my clients. I go through a discovery process where I ask them about what their vision for their business is, what their goals are, things that they find inspiring, and I really try to create a website that um, represents who they are as a person, not myself as the designer. Um, and I approach commercial themes the same way. I, I sit down and craft a user persona and I, I come up with the person who would use this theme and what how it solves their problems and how the design would target their target market. So again, you're not designing for the client in that case, you're designing for the client's clients. And wow. uh, yeah, so I, and every business is different and I feel like every design should be different because of that. That's really interesting that you take the <clears throat> developing like a customer profile or, or like an avatar profile, developing that for designing a commercial theme. So it's not for one specific client, but you still design the theme with that customer profile in mind. That's a really interesting, I've never heard anyone designing premium themes that way before. Sure, doing custom work for clients, you go through that customer profile development phase. What, what made you start doing that for your commercial themes? I just... For me, if I don't have a specific goal in mind, I, I flounder and I don't really know what features I need to integrate or what design aesthetic I should go for. So um, I think you it's really important that you have in your mind a vision of who would be using this theme and why. And it's been really effective for me. 
Wow, that's a great tip. Uh, developing a customer profile for designing commercial themes. I wish more theme designers did that. Because um, as I said, a lot of the commercial themes I find just start to all kind of look and sound and smell the same. <laughs> all right, let's get into our elevation round. For those that don't know, WP Elevation is the world's first business accelerator to help WordPress consultants build a sustainable, profitable business. So we're going to ask Jessica a series of quick questions and you're just going to give us some quick answers off the top of your head. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? I would say you always need to be innovating and learning new things or else the market's going to leave you behind. Nice. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Publish testimonials on my website. Yeah, I noticed that actually. You're really good at that. Do you have like a, do you have like a, just off topic, do you have like a little process that you put in place to make sure you get testimonials from clients? I think that we all have our workflows we go through, um, kind of the same steps with every project. And for me, it's just something I added onto my list that when the client signs off on their site and they're like, oh, I love it, it's so great. I say, I'm so happy you're happy. Would you mind writing me a testimonial? <laughs> and um, I always ask, even if I didn't necessarily like the client that much, I kind of project on my clients and think, well, you really frustrated me and you probably don't like me that much either, but then... A lot of times they'll surprise me and they'll write a totally glowing review. The so, best, yeah, best, just work it into your process. Awesome. And and the, the key there is the best time to get a testimonial is when they love you the most, when their project has just gone live and they're totally in love with you, then ask them for the testimonial. How do you stop competing on price? I think that when you can tell someone how you can address their problems and make them more money or, or save them time, as it may be, um, they'll be happy to pay you whatever you're asking. If you can, you know, if you're charging $10,000 for a service that will make them $100,000 more a year, that's an easy decision for them. Mm, nice. Any tips on writing better proposals? I would say just be really detailed about uh, what's included. I know I take a little bit of extra time to explain to my clients like how a certain plugin functions or um, what a certain feature on their website will do. So they understand the value and they also understand that it takes me a certain amount of time to integrate it. Um, so I, yeah, just um, be really detailed in your proposals um, and make sure there's clear expectations for the entire process. Uh, do you have a favorite tool or system for customer relationship management, or CRM as it's known? I like to use Help Scout for support tickets, mm. uh, but I make a point to take on very few client projects at a time. And I know for me that when I have too many projects in the works or I book them too far out in advance, I kind of lose my steam and my enthusiasm for the project, or, or I start confusing which project is which. So it doesn't even matter what kind of tool I use if my if I don't have clarity, you know, just in my mind of, of what I'm working on for the time. So my trick is to just take on a limited number of projects and um, and work on them as soon as the client's ready to get started. The, like they inquire, they make their payment or whatever the case may be, we get started. Um, so it, for email is really sufficient for me because it's all fresh in my mind. Yeah, nice. And, you, and you're managing, you're not managing, you know, hundreds of leads at once. You're just managing a small portfolio. 
Right. Because you're pricing well enough, you can afford to do that. See, there's lots of lessons here, kids. Uh, what's the best way? And I think you've just answered this question. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Yeah, definitely uh, make sure you outline every step of the process so they know what to expect from you and when. And um, if there's a, a phase of the project where you're in development or something and they, weren't, they aren't going to hear from you for a couple weeks, just check in and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know the project's going well. As you know, I'll be on in touch on such and such date. Um, and I, I think that's the key to keeping every project on track. Yeah, constant communication. Any ideas for getting referrals from your existing clients? I know for me that all I have to do is reach out to my clients and say, hey, you know, I'm looking for some new projects. I really enjoyed working with you. So if there, if you ever need anything in the future or you know of anyone that might be in need of my services, just let me know. A lot of times um, entrepreneurs will be in mastermind groups or have a, a networking group of people who do something similar to what they do. And they'll, they'll likely need your services as well. So I would just say um, stay in touch with your clients and, and nurture that relationship as time goes on and, and they'll continue to refer people out to you. Awesome. And what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? I think knowing your niche and, and having that target market is a great way to differentiate yourself. Um, because there's too many people who are, are marketing to everyone. So when you have a specific market, um, you're, you're automatically going to book those clients over the, the general. I'm nodding because we just we keep hearing this over and over and over again with people I talk to on the podcast and books that we read and articles. It's, you know, and yet we still see so many people not getting specific and trying to be generalists. And I think it's because we have this inherent fear of missing out on, you know, you know, well, if I target this niche, then I'm going to miss out on everyone else. But you've proven that getting specific about who you serve works. So uh, thank you for reiterating that point. And I hope everyone's listening and paying attention out there. All right, uh, that's the end of the elevation round. Hey, what's the future for the Pixelista? Where do you see the Pixelista being in two or three years time? I would be really happy if things were about the same, but if I was making more money. <laughs> um, I think that I'll continue to develop commercial themes. And at some point I, I might separate the two, separate a site for client work and a site for commercial themes. Or I may decide to pursue one or the other exclusively. Uh, but at this point, I'm, I'm really happy to be doing what I'm doing, and I'd be happy to be doing it in three years from now. Awesome. Do you have any ambitions to like grow a big company and employ lots of staff and have a big office somewhere? Um, I have found that I, I really enjoy working solo because I have full control of the process. And um, I know when you work on a team, a lot of times you don't have control of every aspect of the project and and if something goes wrong, you, like there's not a lot you can do for your client, you know. So for me, I maybe it's just because I'm kind of a control freak, but I <laughs> I like working independently, and um, I don't see myself growing bigger than than just me, but it's possible. How do you avoid going? How do you avoid 
going stir crazy or getting cabin fever if you're working for you know working by yourself on your own all the time like do you make a conscious effort to get out and network with other people and maybe go to a co-working space every now and then just for that human interaction I do I I have a, a good social life outside of work um but I also during the day I just like to stay connected I keep my Twitter feed open keep um Google Plus and Skype open. So it's just an open line of communication with me and other designers and developers. A lot of times we'll just um, pitch ideas off of each other. Um, and that's really helpful. Awesome. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I, I've, I've got Skype open all the time as well. And it's really great just to be able to reach out to people and have people reach out to you and bounce ideas. It does kind of help keep you uh, sane and makes you feel connected to your tribe. And you're not like the only person in the world doing this thing. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, cool. And what do you think the future of WordPress is going to be in 12 months or two years' time? I think that we'll see a lot of progress in the WYSIWYG editor uh, where people will go in and be able to design their content without having to touch code. Right now you can kind of do that, but it, it messes up the code. and So that's something I'd like to see. So the average person that doesn't know anything about WordPress can log into the dashboard and be able to design their content uh, from the dashboard and have it look just like that on their website with clean code. And there's been a proliferation of kind of drag and drop page builders over the last 12 to 18 months. Do you think that's where the visual editor is headed into more of a drag and drop content builder? I do think we're going to see more of that. Mm. I'm looking forward to the day that it uh, is part of core and it's, you yeah. know, because I've tried all of the drag and drop page builders, and I've got to say, there's just there's not one where I've gone, "Wow, that's awesome! That's exactly what I want to use." They're, they're, they all kind of feel like they're almost there, but they're all a little bit clunky. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think we will see something like that in Core, or yeah. at least I hope we will. Yeah, so do I. The best drag and drop page builder I've ever used is actually at Unbounce.com, which is a I don't know if you've used it at all, but it's, a, it's for basically setting up landing pages really quickly. And their drag-and-drop page builder is unbelievable. If we could get that in WordPress, that would be a game-changer. All right, quick uh, details on the competition. Uh, Jessica is giving away a copy of the Genesis Theme Framework, which, if you've been living under a rock for the last five years, is kind of the industry standard for building WordPress themes and is truly awesome. And she's going to bundle that with one of her premium themes from uh, Pixelista.com. So... The details on uh, how you're going to enter this competition is, and we didn't actually sort this out. We normally ask a question uh, and get our readers to leave a comment under the video telling you the one thing that you would like to know. So what is it that you would like to know from our readers, Jessica? I would like to know what kind of features or design elements you'd like to see incorporated into commercial Genesis themes. All right, so... Uh, what kind of design features or design elements you would like to see incorporated into commercial Genesis themes? Leave your comment underneath the video and I'll get Jessica to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Sound good? Sounds great. Awesome. What's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? I would say be really choosy about the clients you work with and then take really good care of the ones you do decide to work with. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, where can people reach out and say thanks, Jessica? I think the best place would be on Twitter. My handle is at the Pixelista. At the Pixelista. Uh, I'll put this in the show notes uh, underneath this uh, video. All the show notes will be at 
wpelevation.com slash Jessica Barnard. All one word, no spaces, no hyphens. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? I would say Chris Ford of creativityincluded.com. She has been uh, one of my friends and um, professional uh, associates since I've started designing websites. And she is a wealth of knowledge. Her motto is branding first, and she talks a lot about how your brand tells a story and how that gets people to um, buy your product or service. All right, nice. And so Chris's surname is? Chris Ford. Chris Ford. All right, Chris Ford, courtesy of Jessica Barnard. I'm coming to get you, so keep your eyes on your inbox. Hey, Jessica, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much for spending some time with us on the WP Elevation podcast, and I wish you all the best for the Pixelista moving forward. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on the show. Cheers. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jessica as much as I enjoyed making it. Of course, this episode is brought to you by WP Elevation, the world's first business accelerator program designed to help people like you, WordPress consultants, build a real, sustainable, profitable business delivering WordPress services to clients. If you want to check it out, visit wpelevation.com and come and join in the fun. And of course, subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another show. That's at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And when you do subscribe to the podcast, you'll get instant access to a absolutely free content creation webinar, which goes for about an hour. And in that webinar, you'll learn exactly how to create high quality, engaging content on a consistent basis. All of the show notes and everything you need for this episode will be at wpelevation.com slash Jessica Barnard. That's all one word, no spaces, no hyphens. And remember, leave a comment underneath this video and uh, tell Jessica the number one design feature or design element that you would like to see in a Genesis Premium theme. And you could win a copy of the Genesis theme framework and one of Jessica's premium themes. I hope you've had fun. I look forward to speaking to you next week. Until then, go elevate.